0: you're listening to two guys talking wine with michael pincus and andre prue good morning michael good morning andre uh these early morning podcasts they just they don't work for me
1: do we want to do we want to say like the behind the scenes uh incident that happened this morning before we get into this
0: Sure. What the heck? You can just show that I'm not really fully paying attention. Although I set <laughs> uh, the interview up. I I woke up uh
1: very early. Casually went for a nice stroll with my dog. The weather's finally above zero in Toronto, so things are warming up. And I get home. I start doing. I I set up my morning. I was doing some very important work for uh for my day job, and then I see my phone ringing, and it's like ringing off the hook. And then I listen to the voicemail, and it's a frantic voicemail from you because you. I think forgot that there's a time difference between Toronto and Chile.
0: Yeah, I thought the podcast was at 9:30. Uh suddenly my uh, my Google reminder goes, "Hey, your podcast is at 8:30." I'm like, "Does Andre know it's 8:30?" I told <laughs> him night.
1: <neither>. So Michael <laughs> Michael had the shocking o- o- awakening, but uh, the reason why the time in Chile is important <laughs> is we are joined by Viviana Navarrete or is it Navaretta? How do we say your last name, Viviana?
2: Navarrete.
1: Navarrete. And uh, Michael, it's because we recently had a chance to taste uh, a bottle of Pinot Noir, affordable Pinot Noir, which is very think,
0: affordable Pinot Noir, which is really always good affordable Pinot Noir.
1: I mean, that's it, because it's always a challenge when you get that sub $30 Pinot Noir. It's a little bit of a gamble, whether it's going to be good, drinkable or harsher tannins. And this was one that, uh, you know, like it's a banger like it is it is just great
0: it is solid i think it's going to age really well i just we'll we'll talk about our tasting notes in a bit but uh viviana is the winemaker for san pedro and um so good morning viviana
2: good morning guys nice to to be here talking with you thanks very much for for the opportunity
0: and um the the wine that we're talking about is called tayu is that the correct correct pronunciation
2: excellent perfect oh yes.
0: good so i've got i've finally got some of these pronunciations right andre good for you michael <laughs> and um but it tells an interesting backstory and that's what got us you know first of all we got the wine and we're like oh if the wine tastes good then we'll we'll talk about it and the wine tastes as, as andre said it's a banger it's a fantastic bottle of wine so why don't you tell us the backstory of what makes this wine not only so good but but so interesting
2: Well, it it actually has a a really nice story, Michael, that makes uh, this uh, tayu something very special, as you say, because it's not the traditional project of a vineyard owned by a winery and managed by people of the winery. This started because San Pedro Winery always have worked towards sustainability. And in many items, like with solar panels, trying to get electricity, natural electricity to the cellars, we have uh, some small hydroelectric um, plants, biogas plants, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the one thing that was pending towards sustainability was the sh- social work. So um, Juan Curi, that is the um, uh, manager, agronomy manager for San Pedro, decided to start developing a project that involved working with the. Uh, native community, that in Chile, the the native community is, uh, or originate community is Mapuche. Uh, And together with Pedro Izquierdo, that is our viticulture consultancy, that he's one of the best in Chile, uh, we reach out into Araucanía, that um, the main population there is, also the main population of Mapuche is there in La Araucanía. And we started to, to talk to these people and invite them to make a project together with San Pedro. Uh, and the special thing, uh, Michael and Andre is not only that we were working with Ma- uh, Mapuche people, but also Araucanía has a valley that is very small, that has very little tradition in viticulture, that is Mayeco. And for you to have an idea, is 600 kilometers down South Santiago. So it's very south. It's a cold climate. um, And it's a fantastic place for Pinot Noir. So it was a really round project because it involved working with native people and uh, getting into a valley that has very little development. Uh, And the idea in general, what San Pedro had in their mind, is trying to make the viticulture a tool for social development. The thing is that Mapuche people don't have enough opportunities. They are, they have a, 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 I don't want to go deep in politics, but Mapuche people have lived a life with a lot of efforts, with a lot of pains. Uh, you have to go back in the history, in the Chilean history, when we were colonized by Spanish people. So Spanish people came here and tried to started to push the frontiers down south and Mapuche people had to um, lose their lands. So there's a strong story about battles where many people uh, died, et cetera, et cetera, And Mapuche people have all those pain in their heart, in the way of thinking. Um, so it was a beautiful project to give them an, a, a new opportunity to to le- learn them, or sorry, teach them about viticulture. They didn't have any knowledge about viticulture. Um, and like really give them a business because at the end, Tayu, that the name Tayu is uh, ours, is our project. San Pedro together with Mapuche, Tayo was going to bring them a new opportunity in life to to give them a vineyard which they actually own, uh, uh, a business that they are going to give to the new generations, uh, and a business that they are going to feel proud of. So uh, I think it's a beautiful project because, you know, it's not everything about of course doing wine and wine making and we are really passionate about that but it has this beautiful face of social development and social opportunities where you are doing something good for for people
1: Wow you covered uh, you covered a lot of ground in that there um, Michael well <laughs> I mean I mean the, the question because I know you and I have spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about, uh you know i guess social movements for a lack of a work it's been a very interesting time i know viviana said she doesn't want
0: to talk about the political aspect but one thing that happened but she did if you think yes. about it and 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 the, the, the political thing that i thought about is well, wow the europeans are always they're lovely all over the place not just in north america but in south america <laughs> the europeans were such wonderful people
1: well, but I mean, it's yeah. interesting It's interesting how political wine has gotten, especially over the past 12 months. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, at its base level, you know, the purpose of wine is to bring pleasure. But, you know, I think over the past 12 months, especially in North America, the political view has really started to change and really infiltrated the wine world. Um, when did you start? Because obviously this, this was a project that was started or a, a partnership that was started before 2020. Uh, how long have you been working with the, with the Indigenous Peoples, Viviana?
2: Since, back since 2014. So, so the idea of the project started in 2014. And when San Pedro really got into Mayeco, it was in 2015. And the first vineyards were planted there. So it, it's a long project that now we see the results. But, but it has been a, a really long project. And it, it wasn't that San Pedro just came into this place alone. It was helped by the government, by institution of the government, as Indap, um, and they show, they they got got us in here and showed different communities of Mapuche because the, the population of Mapuche is huge, and they are all different. Uh, and we had the the um, luck of uh, of arriving into Hueco, that is the name of this special community where we found people that is amazing it is formed by 24 families it's uh, a community that has 700 hectares uh, it's a paradise if you go there it's everything about hills uh, they used to to it's an area that is a uh, Full of forest. People used to work in forest. A lot of wheat uh, as a as a crop. Um, and it's, it's just beautiful, the landscape. And there you find this community that is formed by 24 families that is really, really nice people. They are very humble. They are very hard workers. They are very... You know, when you get there, they always with their smiles, with their eyes shining, looking for opportunities, and uh, it has been just fascinating to work with them. And what Mapuche people has that is like theirs, um, what make them so special is that they are, since they are young, I, I mean, they have it in their blood. They are really connected with nature, so they always, for example, they pray to the land. They they call it Nuke Mapu. New up is the land, and they pray to the land when they they want to 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 make a crop or or develop a crop. They pray to the land for have good results. They are full of ceremonies that is so uh, different of our culture. So if they want, for example, to have rain to feed their crops, they pray to the rain and then if they want to stop the rain because they have received i don't know rain for a whole week they pray to stop the rain uh, or if they want to bless a crop they pray and do a ceremony with all the community so you know we have this beautiful uh, um thing that happened that when we we actually we are already in the fourth stage so we are like with the the seventh and eighth family now but when we were in the second and for, uh, with the third and fourth family to plant their vineyards we say okay we are going to go on a Tuesday um, and we're going to start the, the, uh, working the land and etc to bring air etc etc and uh, one of the machi that is like the uh, oldest woman in the community say no 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 stop you cannot come here and start planting the vines First, we have to do a ceremony and pray to the land to be blessed to have a good production with the grapes. So, and we say, okay, we're going on a Tuesday, you know, like a a work day. And she said, no, 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 no. You have to come in a um, um, weekend because we, we do everything here with the family, with the children. And the thing is that in the community, there's no school. So little children have to go outside, outside to other cities to go to school. And they stay in the school from Monday to Friday. And all, only the weekends, they return to this community. So it was something fantastic because you would say, you know, these people work with the families. They do, they involve their families in everything. It's like a beautiful energy. And we as Chilean were used to work Monday, Friday, and separate families. And then weekend, we separate everything. So the thing is that we ended up in Bucha in a Saturday with all, I went with my kids. Everybody went with their kids. And we woke up at 6 a.m. in the morning with all our kids and the families of Mapuche, uh, w- uh, waited and the, until the sun went up from the mountains and made this beautiful ceremony that lasted for three hours. Um, But, you know, the energy that you can get from this kind of ceremony with everybody involved, not only adults in the business, but when you get the little children, the grandfathers, the grandmothers and everybody, you feel so nice. And, and you know, it's not something cliche that you say, it's something that you leave it. And at at the end, I think wine production is everything about energy and this kind of sensibility and emotions that you can get from these kinds of situations. So... It's funny because when we started working in this we said okay we are going to teach mapuche language uh, mapuche people to to do vine production and to grow grapes etc cetera, etc cetera. but at the end really has been a win-win situation because we have learned a lot about them and i always say that this project makes me be a better professional but also it has made me be a better person you know like with more sensibility and um, sometimes more grateful i, I would say
0: i'd uh, i'd have to say andre that uh, you and i have to get together uh very soon and uh, pray for summer let's uh, see if it works well, i was <laughs>
1: saying i think what we need to do is travel to chile and learn some of these prayers and ceremonies and uh I mean, it's one of those things where, if you've ever been to Chile, it's interesting how the weather is moderated, mainly due to geography, obviously. But I mean, I guess
0: we need to find out whether that power of prayer really works. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just praying for spring or summer or warm weather, and uh, that's. And I figure, you know, maybe if the maybe these people know something that we could get a bunch of people together and just really just will spring here, you know, like for March 1st.
1: So Viviana, the question that I have is uh, when you were working with the Indigenous peoples, like you've talked a lot about their own cultures and traditions. Uh, I'm guessing that growing grapes and making wine wasn't a part of that. How how have they been in terms of, you know, taking taking wine and wine production and integrating that into their, uh, their, their traditional ways of I guess, agric- dealing with the land and dealing with agriculture?
2: Well, that's a, a good question because they the Mapuche people didn't have any knowledge about winemaking nor uh, growing vines, viticulture. So at the beginning, there was a, and I would say this was the, the, the weakest part of the project. It, it was the confidence. Like they didn't trust enough us that they were going to do a good work and that they didn't trust us that we were really go to, to work hand by hand with them and, and guide them in because the process, you know, growing vines lasts three years in, in the beginning. And it's a so long process and everything about details. Um, so at the beginning it was something like tricky and complicated, but then when time went past through, they really, uh, um, they lived uh, and, and, and they experiment that we were very present. We went there every every month, every 15 days, working with them. And from knowing nothing, they have become and believe me, they have become excellent growers. Uh, and I always say I work for Leda Winery, which is part of the DSPT Group, and we have our own vineyard that is in the coast of Chile. Uh, we have 100 hectares and beautiful grapes, but if I have to compare the grapes that we produce and the grapes that Mapuche people produce, I would say that definitely the ones that come from uh, Mayeco and Buchaueco are by far the finest, the more clean, the, the best. If you see the clusters, I, I I put here my sorting table to select the clusters and everything, and people stand with their arm crossed just looking at all these bunches, dance through the table and they have to do nothing because the, the grapes comes here totally clean without any leaves, without any dehydration. So they have become greater um, growers, v- vipners, I say. And and is uh, again, I say it's because the level of uh, connection that they have with nature. When, when you speak with them, uh, each family has only 2.5 2. hectares. So it's almost like the garden. They open the door of their house and they get into their vineyards that are small and it's almost the garden. So they know excellent and precise the condition of every vine. If one vine dies, they know perfectly with which one they're going to replace that vine. Um, So the level of observation and connection has made them work their vineyards with the, such a detail that I will always say is so what you what you see in Burgundy is uh, the small production uh, produ- uh, producers with their small uh, vineyards in their houses. Um, it's just fantastic. So uh, sometimes many people, uh, I don't know, read books and study and have a lot of hypotheses and and rules in their minds. But when you see these kind of people that have always lived from the mother. Era, from the land um, and have this uh, sensibility, they are. You know, they are blessed, and uh, and we are feel very happy. And more than us, they feel actually very proud of what they have have done. And, uh, and now you them, and, and it's really nice to hear them because they speak about bricks, uh, they speak about the level of acidity, and you you hear them that is uh, every year their speech about the grapes is uh, is. Uh, is increasing so it's, it's really fantastic so my next question
0: is uh for more of a personal note i guess about you um so how do you come to winemaking how do you come to the project and what's it like to be a winemaker in chile it's a three-part question obviously
2: uh, I have nobody in my family related to the wine business, so it was my own discover, my own path. In Chile, to be winemaker, you have to study agronomy. So I've always loved chemistry and biology, so agronomy was one of the career, of course, to study. And then in the in Chile, agronomy is, five, is a five-year career, and in the last year, you have to choose the specialization. And w- when I had to choose... Um, winemaking was one of of the alternatives, and uh, in in that moment, a lot of things were happening in the Chilean wine business. A lot of, uh, I would say, new valleys were started to be discovered. Um, A lot of work was done in the premium segment, so it was uh, a lot happening, and I wanted to be part of that. So, I've been working in the wine industry for 20 years, and uh, today I can say that I couldn't have chosen a better career. I, I, I think it's fascinating. I, I really enjoy all the stages of, of, uh, of my profession and, uh, and to make wine. Is, I think the beautiful thing is that you are involved in all of the process. So from the vine, when growing the vine and, and the grapes, et cetera, doing of course the vintage and, and the blends and everything and then the bottling and then taking a plane and visit the market to show the wines etc so it's I think it's, I always say it's just like having a, a child you know like the wines are my child and and you you see them grow and, and then you you leave your child in, in the school It's like leaving the wine in, in the market um it's so full of details that I really, really enjoy. And it, I, I think today in, in the Chilean wine business, everything is happening. It's, I, I'm lucky, really, because um, I don't know, since uh, since 10 years or 15 years, I've lived a, a strong movement here in Chile about... You see the Chilean viticulture map. A lot of new valleys have been discovered. Um, actually, wineries are pushing frontiers. So some wineries are taking risk in the north of chile very uh, near to the d- desert atacama desert you see the coast of chile we have 4000 kilometers of coast and many wineries are are coming here in, in in the coast making fresher and mineral style of wines and the other side up in the andes mountain many wineries are are, are colonizing the andes looking for fresher and more extreme terroirs, um, and you see the same movement towards in the south. So Tayu is one of, uh, I would say, one of the players here in this uh, change of uh, of making wines in Chile, but, you know, uh, many wineries are doing strong work looking for fresher uh, microclimates, uh, a lot of studies in the soil, so you can see nowadays beautiful exponents in Chile trying to to craft wines with more identity, you know, that show the origin. Um, also, back in Chile, we managed the, the traditional grapes and no more. But today, you can see the rescue of old vines, as País, as Carignan, vines with I don't know 400 years old, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, it's a it's a really good time to be working in in, in the Chilean wine business. I I, I really enjoy.
1: Wow, you you covered a lot of ground with that that question, Viviana. I I think there's one thing that you touched on, though, that is going to be very important for the future of Chilean wine, especially with the drinking habits of millennials, uh, people looking for that unique experience. I think one of the problems that could be coming down the road for Chile is the fact that a lot of the wines come from very large companies, and there's definitely a homogenous field of them. And that's That's fantastic when you're new to wine because you can pick up a bottle of, you know, let's just say for just off the top of my head, Conchie, Toro, Cabernet Sauvignon for $9 and get a consistent product every year. But when you're looking for those unique products, like that was one of the things I was very excited about with this Pinot. So it's exciting to hear that you're looking forward to looking forward to what's the future of the market's going to be. But another thing that you mentioned talking about the future is um you touched on something that I found very interesting when I had a chance to visit Chile a couple years ago is companies are starting to reclaim these old vineyards uh like some of which are 100 years old of varieties that you know we don't even hear about or haven't very little experience with uh you know like I saw a company DiMartino working with grapes like uh San Francisco which is I don't think something a lot of us have ever had a chance to taste in North America. Is this something that you, apart from the Taiyu project, or, and Leda as a company and San Pedro are going to be working towards? Is that a direction that you're going to be heading in, as trying to reclaim the traditional heritage of Chilean winemaking?
2: Yes, definitely. Well, in fact, San Pedro has worked in, in Itata in making wines with País and also with Senso, um, and another one that is called Primitivo um, and Dolcetto. But coming back to the old vines, it's, yes, with uh, Jesuita. I-, I made a wine uh, from there, Jesuita. Jesuita brought those vines back in 400 years ago, and they are like bush uh, vines. So it's not the, the uh, vertical trellising system, but... Vines planted uh, as a bash everywhere in, in Itata, which is a, a fascinating terroir. Um, and, and yeah, Andrea, I think the future is of Chile is there. It's a, you can see nowadays small projects uh, everywhere um, trying to do more a niche style of, of uh, wine, not this massive uh, that you can find, as you said, like for $7, etc bottle, but more, more wines into this... Um, it's more specific, more into the terroir, more of uh, of, of bringing character of the place, you know, uh, so more focus, less production. And nowadays you find a lot of, pro- of projects like this with more independence uh, or, or sometimes three winemakers join and do this exercise. Um, well, Tayu is a, is a good example, of course, because Mayeko is a valley that, I don't know, it has 130 hectares. It's nothing. So it's a really tiny project. And the other thing interesting about this Tayu is that it's located very close to the coast. So it has both effects of cold uh, influence it's because it's very uh, um, down south, it's southern, so it's a 38 uh, degrees latitude. Parallel and it, ha- it is about 38 kilometers from the Pacific Ocean. So it has some maritime influence and it's cold because it's south. Um, so it's very special because mainly in Mayeco, the main production is between the mountains, it's more in the center, the center valley. And this uh, Tayu or Buchahuecco project is uh, very close, is in the actually is in the east side of the coastal mountain range. Um so it's the most extreme vineyard in Mayco. Uh, and I think in the future, more people and more wineries are going to reach into this valley because uh, it's cooler. You have and the, the other great thing about in this place is that you have a lot of rain, rainfall, natural rainfall. We receive about 1,200 millimeters of rainfall a year. That's a lot compared to Central Valley where we received, I don't know, 300 millimeters. You know that Chile in the last two years, not this year, but in the last two years, we suffered a lot of um, lack of water. We didn't have any rain. The the agriculture suffered a lot. It was was madness. Many wineries had to take vines out because of the lack of water. So the South of Chile, I would say in a kind, is like the future because of cooler climate and you have this benefit of, of natural rain. Uh, so yeah, San Pedro is looking there and is making many small um, projects. So things are—we have—I uh, would say more. We will have more surprises in the future.
0: So I'm going to bring us back to the Tayu project really quickly here and ask you first of all. And it's—it's it's, again. I got these two-part questions coming up. One: Why did you choose Pinot Noir uh, to plant? And two. Are you going to expand the project with other grape varieties, such as Pinot's partner, Chardonnay? Or any such a cool climate grape?
2: Yeah, uh, well, first we decided Pinot Noir because uh, the project was landed in Araucanía specifically in Mayeco Valley, which is a cold area, a cold climate area. So we said, okay, this is the paradise. And also it was in, as I mentioned before, it was in um, the coastal mountain range where you have granitic soils, which is beautiful for Pinot Noir. And so you had both low temperatures, because what happens here is that February and March is very, very cold. And the season, the ripening season is very slow. So you have the climate, the perfect climate for Pinot and the perfect soil as well. And you know, Pinot Noir is, I think for every winemaker maker, is uh, the, the most challenging grape variety. It's so diffi- difficult to, to grow, is uh, full of challenge. So we, we wanted to make this uh, like really, really uh, A strong project, so not only working with the native uh, community, but also uh, working with a different, difficult grape. Uh, And we started uh, with Pinot. And now we are working, um, uh, we are now with six families working. We have a total of 15 hectares planted. Each family, as I said before, owns 2.5 hectares. And this year, what we're planting with three more families, so the, the project is uh, is growing. <clears throat> and yes, we have think about planting another one, and yeah, we have thought about Chardonnay because it's the brother of Pinot Noir, but also maybe another. I would like to to plant a little bit of Riesling and a little bit of Sauvignon Blanc, or, uh, or maybe Gruner betliner or something like that. But uh, I mean, everything has to be very responsible because the owner of the vineyards are the Mapuche people. So so first, we, we decided to really focus in Pinot Noir to, to make the distribution and the sales of, of the wine that, of course, is the most important because we have to pay back everything and and do the economic return of, of the business to, to give money to, to the families. Um, so we did decide, decided to be very responsible and uh, focusing Pinot Noir but now I think we are in in a stage where we can think about another grape
0: and and just quickly I don't know if you had anything to do with the label at all but is that like a symbol of the Mapuche people or um, is it where did the label idea come from I guess
2: It's fantastic. I adore this label. It's actually the face of uh, a woman, Mapuche, but it's not just one face. Like the artist took many, many photographs of many Mapuche uh, women. And ended up in this face, which is beautiful because if you see the chest in the chest of the lady, you see the vineyards. It's like the rows of the vines, and I think the expression of this woman is just fantastic because it expresses really the soul of Mapuche woman. That is, they are so hard laborers. They are so, is people with a lot of history, you know. And uh, and I think in their eyes, she wants to transmit like the the spirit of or, or the I don't know how to express, but maybe the um, esperanza. I don't know the English word for esperanza or the hope. I would say, but um, it's a. Is a um,
0: I think it's essence. Uh, esperanza, essence.
2: Essence. Yes, it's a tribute to to the to them to the woman.
0: Well, Andre, I think I'm done with questions, unless you want to talk quickly about the wine. I know we said we really liked it. Did you want to, you know, give a little tasting note of any kind?
1: Yes, it was. It was interesting to taste it because, like I said, the the price point was definitely something that attracted us to the bottle. I think it's about twenty five dollars at the. Nope,
0: twenty bucks here. Twenty dollars.
1: Nineteen ninety five. Holy smoke! Okay, so that's even even better value. Uh, when we opened the bottle, because you and I we we talked. I think we tasted it either one after the other or on the same night. Uh, when you open it right away, the tannin comes off as a little harsh at the beginning, but it took about an hour for it to soften and it delivered everything I expect from a well-made, cool climate Pinot Noir. So it was a lot of cherry, uh, a little bit of those earthy notes uh, and a just fantastic balance. Um, you know, I know I've said value about 10 times, but I mean, that's not the only reason why this wine is is good. Like It's Pinot Noir that delivers everything you expect from a good bottle of Pinot Noir.
0: Well, when I tasted it, I I didn't get the tannins that you got, but I got like a, just a huge note, both on the nose and the palate of like fresh earth character. And that kicks the whole thing off to me. But as you said, it really opens up half an hour to an hour later. We just got layers of cranberry, uh, red currants, herbal notes. Uh, There's a smoky note. There's a savory note. There was just, again, everything that I would have wanted in a pinot. Uh, and I, I would have said this, this bottle will lay down and age for a good five to seven years, maybe a little longer. Uh, but I, it was, it was again. I'm more the, I'm more in the three to five years. I'm more
1: in the three to five years territory than the. I think seven might be make it a little long in the long in the tooth. But three years is a little really. I want to smooth, really
0: want to smooth that earthy character out, I think, and bring the fruit more to the front. It might, it might go that long. We'll test it out. What the heck?
1: Okay, we'll see. We'll see what happens in seven years. <laughs>
0: So, Viviana, we'd like to thank you for being on the podcast today. Fabulous bottle of wine. Thank you for bringing it uh, to our attention. Uh, We'd like to thank Danderan, who also brought the wine to our attention uh, and brought Viviana onto the podcast with us. So thanks to everybody uh, who made this uh, possible.
2: Thanks very much, Michael and Andre. It was a pleasure. Take care. Oh, and uh,
1: good luck with Harvest. I guess that's either underway or coming up very soon for you
2: yeah we started last week, so it's very crazy here
0: so thank you for taking the time during harvest. Oh my God.
2: <laughs> thanks to you guys. It was a pleasure.
1: I can't believe you used the c word on me, and actually, I can't believe I didn't think to ask that question myself. That would have been worth the the nickel in the jar <laughs> I was...
0: I so much was like, oh, this is going to drive Andre crazy because he can't really ask the question because <laughs> how, how, what is what is he going to ask? Uh, are you going to plant the c word?
1: <laughs> um, no, good wine. Um, and I think, like I said, in a in a world where, like I said, and and, and Viviana kind of touched on it as well, just with how she, uh, you know, how she presented the the project and the wine, the wine world is in the middle of a. A political awakening, and I don't think it's a bad thing.
0: No, and it's nice to see them working with uh, the indigenous people. And I, I really, and as I, as I pointed out, um, but more in a in a humorous way, I, I, I get it. It's not humorous, but uh, that they acknowledge that the the indigenous people were treated poorly by. Uh, the Europeans. And they, you know, it's, it's, a, it's nice to acknowledge it and not just whitewash over it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that coming from Chile, because it, it's one of the things that has uh, irked me a little bit about the political awakening in Canada, is that we've focused so much on on Black Lives Matter and George Floyd. And these are very important issues. I'm not seeing one is more important than the other. It's it's amazing that this has taken place, and that we're having these conversations about race and involvement in the wine industry. But there has been very little mention of indigenous culture in Canada and how it affects the wine industry, and the fact that every winery in Canada is built on stolen land, with the exception of Inkameep.
0: And now we get really political. So let's. Uh, let's I mean,
1: let's, that's something we let's can explore try out of those waters. I mean, moment. that's something we can definitely ex- explore explore down the road. But I mean, you went down the the route of European settlers treating indigenous people badly. I mean, it's one of. Uh, one of the the worst things that we don't spend enough time acknowledging as Canadians
0: true. but um and I ask you, and I would ask pretty much anybody the same question would would you be willing to give up your house?
1: I, but I mean that's not necessarily the the answer or the solution, right?
0: No, I'm just saying, but it it le- it does sooner or later. everybody ends up leading to, well, would you give up your house? Would you give up uh, you know uh, your favorite restaurant?
1: I think that's an oversimplification. I think if you take a look at even just what the conditions are that exist on reserves in Canada, that fact that we have a large segment of the population that don't even have access to clean drinking water, I don't think it's about anyone coming to Michael Pinkus's house or Andre Prue's house and asking us to give up what we have, but it's making sure that Indigenous people have access to the same level of care. I have, I have no, I have no
0: argument with that. It's just the, the reclamation of, of land, right? They keep saying, we want our land back. We got to get past that and 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 go on to giving them a better quality of life and 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 living up to the promises that we made to them when we stole the land.
1: Uh, you know what? I think we're just treading into treading into waters where maybe it's just not the purview of the of the podcast.
0: It is not. So let's get on to the wine. The wine is great. Pick it up if you can still find it. It's nineteen ninety five. It is available at the LCBO and anywhere else you can. You can find five fine wine. I understand it's in very limited production, too, Andre, so we were really lucky to get it here in Canada. Wow, in no,
1: that is good. Actually, that is one question that I didn't ask Viviana was how many bottles they actually made. Uh, because like you and I said there, at 20 bucks, it's a steal. Frankly, I think they could be selling it for a few dollars more, but if it's just about getting the bottle in people's hands, I mean, they've succeeded. I'm completely sold on it.
0: So let's uh, let's close it up and uh, get on with the rest of our day.
1: I'm Andre Pru from Uh We would like to take a moment to thank everyone who's taken a moment to check out our Patreon. We have a couple of new um, patrons, so we very much appreciate the support. I know Michael and I have said it many times, it is not expensive to produce this podcast, but we do have a few bills. So even if it's $2 or $5 a month, we very much appreciate the support because it does make sure that we keep the wheels on and running and turning and you can check that out patreon.com slash two guys talking wine
0: and i'm michael Pinkus michael Pincus of sorry we got a little bit off the rails there maybe i don't know we'll get back on next time find me on social media i'm the great guy and uh, michael Pincus. and uh, andre i guess it's just uh, traditional goodbyes in the usual good night Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This episode
1: of Two Guys Talking Wine was produced by Jim Ray and Adam Duran.